You are listening to the Grow a Thriving Practice podcast. This is episode 25, Rooted in Transformation with Andrew McElrath. Grow a Thriving Practice, a podcast made for biofield tuning practitioners, offering the resources to enhance your practice, grow your business, and continue your journey of self-discovery. I'm your host, Jillian Faldmo. Hello, Tuner. Happy day today. I hope you are all doing well. Ah, It's nice to just take a breath, huh? <laughs> There's been a lot going on lately in the world. And um, gosh, I just, I just wonder when the polarization will end, I guess, if end is the right word. Um, I think it really starts with us, though. And I don't even want to get into the, or even, like, verbalize the topics that I'm talking about right now because I know that um, there, there are a lot of triggering events and things happening out there that are really dividing us and not only externally but i'm seeing a lot of people become really inwardly divided and in an attempt to claim our power and stand up for what we believe we're actually giving away our power and so i'm not sure if you're noticing this but if you're feeling really exhausted from defending yourself um, or defending what you believe. Um, I just want you to notice if, if when this is happening, if your power is still in your center or if, you're, if it's kind of leaking out of you or if you're giving it away. Um, I decided to uh, have a remote group biofield tuning session on this that's called um, Centering and Grounding Through Uncertainty. And um, my intention is to bring us back to our aligned truth, um, to have us moving through this uncertainty from a place of actual confidence, if that makes sense, um, confidence in ourselves, in, in what we believe, in our truth without running ourselves to the ground um, while conserving our energy and um, and holding our power. And I really feel that when we do this, we, we're coming from a place of love and connection and unity and not blame and fear and, you know, those things. So anyway, I'd like to invite you to this. Um, it's Wednesday. August 11th um, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And to sign up, just go to my website and um, click on uh, Biofield Tuning Sessions. And it's under Centering and Grounding Through Uncertainty. All right. So I think that this conversation coming up that I had with Andrew McElrath is just going to inspire you so much. So take some time to listen to this because I love, I love everything that Andrew has to say. And 
I think what I love about most about Andrew is his fearlessness to educate, his fearlessness to talk about this work and to really dive deep into it on um, on a material level, but like a science-based level, but also on this really expansive, like beyond feeling level. I don't think I've told him that. So Andrew, if you're listening, um, I really love that about you. And uh, I'll, I'll plan to communicate that with you <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, this, this conversation we had last week, um, you'll hear about the evolution of Andrew's practice, his vision of working with um, plants and agriculture, and just his experience as a tuner and being in this world um, for the past several years. And even, I think even longer than that, right? We, we talk about some, a little bit of past life stuff in here. So enjoy this conversation and um, take some tidbits with you and i will see you next week enjoy hi andrew thanks for being on the podcast today hi jill thank you so much for having me yeah it's so good to see you and to be able to hear your voice again um uh-huh. we we spent a good amount of time well i came to portland um and spent some time with you and we spent some time in palm springs and now you're all the way in florida so it's just nice to connect. I'm I'm grateful that we have Zoom and I hope that we're in person again. Yeah, soon. yeah, absolutely. I, I, I flash sometimes that we met in 2017 in Tulum. That's and right, I it was Tulum. Uh-huh, and that was uh, like four years ago now in the summer. Ah. Yeah, and I flash on how, like how, different and everybody was in their stage of life and their practice and what was going on with biofilm tuning and just everything. And I'd go, God, that was four years ago. Wow. Yeah. I, that seems kind of forever ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so yeah. I, and, and all the energy that was there and all the stuff that moved around and just all of that. So different. Yeah. So can you um, introduce yourself and um, let everybody know what your first, what your background is, and then um, kind of how that led you into discovering biofield tuning? Absolutely. So my name is Andrew McElrath, and I originally, way back in the day, um, went to school for fine art. So I studied textile design and digital imaging. And then, you know, as time went on, there was some financial necessity, but, you know, I always found myself in roles of service. So I was always a communicator showing up for people in whatever way as support um, and had any number of different roles in that way. And then, in around 2015, you know, circumstances lined up. So that was, there was a pretty firm departure and I had the opportunity to um, go to have some education um, and of my choosing through the Department of Labor. It was like a trade act type of deal. Right. And at that time I had already 
Uh, let's see, I had already completed training in quantum healing hypnosis technique that was developed by uh, Dolores Cannon. And so I had been working with folks in person in that capacity. And then I had chosen to, around that same time, chosen to pursue um, learning uh, traditional hypnosis because I felt like, okay, I want to know the nuts and bolts of that. It's kind of like going to graduate school before getting your undergrad in mm. some ways. Um, yeah. So I was really used to guiding people through their own healing process. And I think I saw myself as a tour guide around that and connecting with these deeper parts that kind of, uh, uh, in some ways, doing sort of emotional excavation of the mystery of who people are and, mm. and, and what their story is and what their patterns are. And I noticed when I was doing these QHHT sessions, a few times I would get visuals, you know, an inside vision of what the scene was. And they, I, I was noticing details and would communicate them after people came out of trance. And I said, hey, was the wallpaper this color? And was this person there and all that? And they were like, yep. So I was like, ooh, what's going on here? Cause I'm getting some information that they're not saying. So that was just an awareness that dropped in. And then towards the end of my training in hypnosis, I saw one of Eileen's videos on YouTube. And I had received information from my higher self that I was gonna be working it with sound. So I had a QHHT session and part of those sessions is a little conversation with your higher self, which is a little surreal. You're basically working with a practitioner and they're asking the questions and you're responding in a whole other frequency of yeah. awareness and being. And at the time I thought, okay, well, hypnosis is verbal. That, that must be what it is. No, uh -uh, that was really wasn't what was going on. So I saw Eileen and this is way back in the day when her videos were new and she's using her tuning fork. She's talking about, what is it? Click, drag and drop, right? That yeah. was the language so you, long ago. Yeah. Did, and did I, you find her on, on YouTube? Yeah. And okay. I was, I was, I was like, this is it. Like I just knew And I think that happens for a lot of practitioners or a lot yeah. of folks that are drawn to them. You just see it, you hear it and you go, Oh, I, I need to know how to do this. Yeah. So I got the book and uh, was, I actually experimented with investigating the timeline in someone's field. I had a friend that was up for it and I developed a little map with a body and then all these lines and I would mark on the paper where I found perturbations and would kind of comment. And I was really surprised at how much I found. My friend was really surprised how much information was there. We were both kind uh -huh. of like, whoa. And then, uh, you know, like for a lot of people, you, and at that time, there were three sequences of, you know, three classes for training and, and certification. Well, no, it wasn't certification then, it was just the equivalent of foundations. And, you know, each class was really transformative and really yeah. wild. And it, so additionally in that, so I got trained in biofilter foundations and then, um, Let's see. No, at that time, right, level three was a certification, right, as a practitioner. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. right. Okay, that's what was going on. So in the time between level two and level three, 
in May of 2016, my mom died. And that was really intense because I was able to share with her the, the modality and there was stuff that I, and I worked on her. She wasn't at that time, you know, she was in general good health. There wasn't anything that was like contraindicated per se, but we found things that to me highlighted was specifically my birth, right? And at that time, um, mm. soon after my birth, my parents got a divorce around three months. So I kind of commented to her, I was like, oh, mom, I was the, the straw that broke the camel's back in that, you know? And, you know, you don't want your kids to believe that, right? I mean, she kind of was like, oh no, Andrew. And then later on we talked and, and she's like, yeah, actually that that's true. And I, I, could, mm. I could hear the truth and I, 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 yeah. I mean, the, the, the field and that information is extremely open. And, and when you're able to connect with someone and be real, there's all kinds of oh my gosh, yeah. truth in there and intensity that was really powerful. And I think before that, my mom perceived the work I was doing as maybe a little snake oil selling. And, you know, there was some skepticism because she was very science-based. I think after that experience, she realized, oh, yeah, you got something going on, Andrew, you know, go for it. And so that was really, wow, really powerful to have that shared that. Sense. Yeah. With my mom. So anyway, I know that's really highly personal, but that that's was uh, concurrent with my journey in biofield tuning. So when that happened, you know, it was really rough. I just said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm on the books to do that. Everything's reserved. I'm going to go ahead and do level three and, and get, and get certified. And, and that was, you know, obviously super duper intense because the experience was so fresh. Yeah. So when were you certified? What year? Uh, let's see. It was June of 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then, yeah, you know, I, there was a lot going on. I had to clear out my mom's house. We had to get ready first. I mean, that summer was overwhelming and super intense. And I had taken you know, I, I, there was a little break in my practice from that. And then um, what's happened at the fall of 2016, I started the program through the Department of Labor as an Associates of Applied Science in Complementary Alternative Medicine with mm. herbalism and aromatherapy as a dual specialization. So that's kind of a mouthful, but that was really interesting education to receive after going through the sequence of tuning because yeah. we're interacting with concepts of, of energy, but also anatomy and physiology and really understanding that. And so I was, you know, I would learn about a specific body system or organ system and anatomy and physiology and have this completely different overlay, right? Because it was very science-based, but very also biological, chemical, and all those types of things versus mm -hmm. the energy side of it. So it's just a really interesting mix. So I have this really interesting toolbox. I'd say it definitely crosses over. And at the same time, biofield tuning remains the most accessible. And I would say probably the most effective. And yeah. I've heard that but, from so many people. Yeah, but understanding all these other things. Oh, I also want to comment. I got attuned in Reiki one in the middle of all that somewhere. And I, I just want to let folks know that that experience for me highlighted 
the information potential inside of energy work. So mm. in that class, we would collectively, uh, you know, provide Reiki to an individual, all of us on the table. And I would begin to realize I'd get information in that process um, and then communicate it. And there was like, wait, how did you know I got in a bike accident and broke my leg there? You know, just whatever showed up. So that was also an interaction or awareness of the way in which information exchange occurs in energy healing that is, it's just, there's that potential there. So that yeah. was a mouthful. I just gave you a whole bunch of information. But. No, and I remember you going through that program. Um, and I think, I think what stands out to me was you were, where you were putting on a big presentation or a video or something to oh, um, yeah. present biofield tuning. Right, right. So as a culmination of my last semester, my last class, uh, which was kind of a professional preparation I don't want to call it a bachelor's thesis, but kind of. And what I had to do is present uh, a live stream at the campus, which is was in Portland, even though it was a distance program, on how sound and the subconscious mind support health, whole, wholeness or wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and that was really interesting to pull on all kinds of different information. And included that was biofield tuning. So I had... I think I got, it was my first run at presenting information uh, to a group verbally to articulate some of these really complex ideas to a, a program in a community that was a lot more chemistry, biologically sort of based, right? So I'm yeah. trying to encompass ideas in a scientific realm that people can hold on to and become aware of, which was really great. Yeah. How was it received? I think I kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes in ways they hadn't before. And it, and I provided a lot of really diverse information. So it was really a big overview, but I feel really, I feel really good about it. You know? Um, Yeah. It's I, I sometimes I've watched that video a couple of times after the fact and kind of went, wow, there was kind of a lot of information in there, Andrew, that was all over the place, but. Yeah. Where is that video? Is there, is that something it's on, that we It's on watch? my YouTube. Yeah. It's on my YouTube channel for sure. Which is, how do we get there? Uh, if you go to my website, andrewmcelrath.com and go below there are my social links that are down there and you, there's okay. YouTube. So you can click on that. I'll take you right there. Yeah. I'm sure that, um, that students who are kind of, you know, wanting to present biofield tuning in a way or, or even sound and energy in a way that sort of appeals to that more scientific group would appreciate seeing, you know, just an example of how that's done. Yeah, there was a, I, yeah, there's just a ton of information in there. And, uh, but it was a really great opportunity to put together images and articulate information and do that. And then, and then also have the opportunity to have it on video so that it's, you know, effectively archived as well. Yeah. So, and I think that at least for social media, something that I just want to comment on is that it actually serves as an archive. So you may not Mm -hmm. think in your mind, oh, I got all these likes or views, but what I've noticed is what people will do is they'll go and look at that 
in some ways it kind of functions like a blog, right? So people can go back and say, oh, what are they talking about? What are they, what's their deal, you know? Um, which I think is important. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so you've got like a pretty vast background, like hypnotherapy, um, the anatomy and physiology portion, more, more sciencey. Did you say, you said herbalism too? Yeah. So yes, there's a ro- there's aromatherapy and, and, and herbal medicine that I studied as well. You know, that yeah. it, uh, was something that's more in person, obviously in the context we're in right now. Um, and is, yeah. So it's, 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 a, I think it was an interesting, it was a way for me to connect with the education I am still absolutely in love with plants and plant medicine. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll end up tuning my tinctures or oils, which is really fun with a 528 um, to just kind of infuse that into the, the liquid that's there. And I, um, so that's kind of special to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But I, I don't use it in the same way some people might may do, you know? Um, I think when I think about the physicality of things, I think I use crystals and stones way more um, than some people do maybe. And it's, and I think my relationship with tuning connected to the earth is a space that I wanna continue to explore in a bigger way. Yeah, and I wanna talk about that because we had a phone call conversation the other day where you were telling me kind of what your vision was. So maybe let's talk about the evolution of like, so you started practicing biofield tuning, like what you saw in your practice and kind of like how you got to where you are now with. Um, yeah. With yeah. Um, when I started out, mostly it was all in person. I mean, I was doing some sessions here and there. Uh, and at that time I had a dedicated space in an office, which was really great. And at that time I was, the only certified tuner in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Right. Which is totally, totally different than what's wow, going on yeah. now. Um, <laughs> so I had people from Seattle that would come and get tuned, which was so great. I mean, it was, it was a really different experience at that time. And, and there was a lot of curiosity around the work. And I definitely worked with uh, uh, at least one or two people that ended up being, you know, taking the training and, and being practitioners. And so that was really great. And, and I would say, I have, I would think it was really important to be able to work with people in person at that time, for sure. Um, and then I moved, uh, that was a kind of a big move in 2018 to Palm Springs. And then uh, I think my practice became more distance and I was tuning a lot of tuners then I think as well. So that was a, a different experience. Um, it, it was really interesting when I was there, I had a client say to me or comment, she said, you know, Andrew, even though we're not in person, I get this feeling that you're drawing on the energy, the healing energy of that, of the space you are on the planet and bringing that into sessions. And I just thought that was a really fascinating observation. Like, oh, I didn't even think of that, you know, but it, wow. it makes sense. And when I've talked to other practitioners that have moved around that are real sensitive, they have the same sort of observation that the the environment and the energy of the location they're in informs their relationship in, in sessions, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, and it kind of makes a lot of sense, right? 
Yeah, I would imagine. How could that not inform you? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure people have a lot of different relationships, but I would imagine doing a tuning in a high rise, you're going to have a different experience than being in a place that has a specific resonance and energy related to the the landscape. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I was able to go to Palm Springs and, and that was great. And, uh, I spent 2019 with Eileen here and there going to different shows, uh, and events, which was really a great opportunity to connect with the general public and kind of be an ambassador, you, if you will, with people, put forks on people for the first time and, you know, reflect to them the information that was there and have their eyes kind of open up and go, what, you know, and, and, and that was a really amazing experience. And also to spend time with Eileen and, and be able to promote the work. And it was, yeah, it was a super great experience and also connect with tuners in the regions that we were in. And I think we only did three shows that year, but that was really great. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then everyone knows what happened last year. So everything's been, uh, everything's been remote. And in some ways, what I appreciate about that is that I'm able to interact with the signal and the energy and in a very direct way. So, and neither here nor there, some people really prefer being in person. And I totally understand that there's some things you can't do to, you know, in a a distance session that you can do in person. However, I feel like it's, I don't know, I don't know if I would say it makes me a better tuner, but I'm aware of hanging out in the ether with someone versus the physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that lately too. Yeah, and I also notice that because of the kinds of information and the emotional intensity that's in that space in these sessions, that it may actually create a, a safer space for people because they're not physically on the table working through whatever they're doing. You know, yeah. that's not everybody, but I, I have a flash on that. And it's so great. I, I can work with anyone anywhere. And uh, like I just tuned someone in Switzerland and I tuned someone in um, the Virgin Islands, you know, which is like, that's really amazing. That's really yeah. great. I love that part. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're seeing clients now. Mm-hmm. I am. All right. Great. And tell us about this interest that you have in tuning plants. Okay. Yeah. So um, way back in the day in my first class, I think Eileen had gone to a subtle energy conference. I I don't think that's exactly the name. And she was all excited about Pixie the plant. Right. And so, uh yeah. So someone had invented a device that interpreted the signal of the plant into an audible sound which kind of sounded like music. And, uh, and what was happening is, is that there was some feedback. So the plant would respond to the awareness that it was making sound. And there was like this whole thing coming on, right? And as time has gone on, and I, I, I'm not a, a super big animal person, but I do notice with great consistency, the energy of uh the animals that people are connected to in their earth star. So there's definitely, and anyone that's working with tuning in animals is going to 
tell you, wow, they're very receptive to it. And there's a lot of information there. So with plants, um, pretty recently, I just kind of have new plants in my new space and just kind of checking in with them and meeting them where they're at. And it's been really interesting. Um, I did get one of those devices or something similar now. It's called Music of the Plants. And yeah, so I was you, wondering if they sell that. Or they if, sure like, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they sure do. They so come cool. Yeah, they come from Italy. And so it, there's one connector that goes into the roots and then another one that you clip onto the leaf or leaves and then that's how it's connecting with the electromagnetic signal of the plant that's translated to sound um so what what i love tuning people and i'm going to continue to do that no question about that what i'm really interested in moving forward and curious about is the potential impact of tuning, you know, green spaces, tuning crops, tuning greenhouses. Um, because just like when you tune an individual, or at least in my experience, sometimes really specific information will drop in around minerals or pH balance or you know, parasites. And I want to be really clear, we don't try diagnose or heal any medical condition. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, it, just like you could think about different technologies that work in a diagnostic capacity. So iridology is one that shows up. We are responding to the signal of the individual. And if we're in hollow bone and we're get out of the way of our filter and just let it drop in. I'm always fascinated to that. What, what does come in and, and to really honor that. And it, it may not always connect with people, but hopefully more often than not, it does. And there's a value in that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, I have a sense that the same kind of, or pathway of information potentially around what's going on on a chemical or elemental level with plants would also emerge in that. And I would imagine just like with tuning people, the more one does that, that there's more space for that conversation to have. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I think there's a lot more room to continue to grow that. I mean, I would, I would love to be able to tune plants and agricultural endeavors as much as I do people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm going to be holding that vision for you. What, what do you think like the impact, like if you, when you sense into it, what's your impression of what the impact, um, what impact that would have sort of on plants earth? Well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'll just, yeah, I'm just going to state this really generally to all the tuners and, and non-tuners that are hearing it. And now I got tingles. If we all on a regular basis committed to, and the 528 case comes up because it restores the original blueprint of genetic organisms. If we all committed to do that on a regular basis as part of our practice, whatever it is, 
I think we would start to, and I think that we are probably in some ways, but we're, we're going to start to see some really profound shifts and to just be present with nature. Like people talk about tuning the trees. When I go to, when I went to the ocean yesterday, I brought my 528 around all these people and I'm just checking in. Like whenever I go into nature and I'm able to be there and present and still just with intention, inviting that conversation and that resonance and that coherence, I think is extraordinarily profound yeah, and you can say like, that yeah sorry, sorry i was just gonna say um it's like that having that tuning fork that 528 is also a vehicle for for that conversation like mm-hmm. like that opportunity to really deeply listen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and now you could i mean we're, we're in in lots of ways because all everyone we're tuning is connected on the planet we're definitely having an impact in a big way like that i am i'm curious and excited about the potential of what what's the impact for that frequency to be explored even further in regards to the the, the healing of the planet yeah like and i i believe or i i had heard eileen say that when they experimented with the results with tuning forks when it was struck by a non sentient non non organic um method it did not have the same effect that when they were the forks were in the the hands of a tuner Mm-hmm. So, so that implies to me, this isn't something that you can generate uh, on an automated fashion. It requires this space of intention, right? Yeah, and also intention, connection. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I would say that, um, that, and this isn't new information, a lot of sound healing practitioners and organizations talk about the space of, you know, intention with sound resulting in transformation and manifestation. That's kind of a basic equation of how that works. And you could even translate that into music or drums or any kind of audible sound. Intention is a huge component of what's being transmitted through the wave. I'm gonna go off just here for a second. I got a monochord, which uses the uh, repeating note over and over again. And I've been ex- experimenting with it and playing with it. And one of the things is that it generates a harmonic overtone or multiple uh, harmonies, right? Uh, waves in there. And I've begun to really notice that the content of the information in the waves. And, uh, and to just really correlate with biofield tuning. And when we know this, like it's part of our conversation, but when we experience it with another instrument or another tool, I think our awareness around it becomes more amplified. Yeah. So what have you, so have you been using the monochord with clients or with yourself? I, or? <laughs> well, there haven't been a real, a lot of physical bodies and my presence to be able to do it. Uh, But I have been using it on myself and I have experienced it. Um, I would say that when, when I was able to do group in-person sessions, what we would do, I, uh, I partnered up with my friend, Michaela Catherine Jones, who does sound baths or amongst other things. She's also an author. And 
what would happen would be that um, we would, she would play the crystal bowls at the beginning to kind of get people in a nice relaxed trance state. And then I would come in and do a group tune and then she would end with the crystal bowls. And it was just a really beautiful integration for both of our energies to kind of collaborate and meet. But it also, I think is a, was a real gentle ride for people. And it was interesting, the feedback we got was they were like, yeah, before the bowls even started, the session started for me. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to notice that our intention was able to meet and collaborate in that way. And it's just super interesting to me um, how people experience something like that. I I really miss group work in person. I really do. I know my brain has been just thinking, okay, what would be a good date to just have a gathering maybe here in Oregon where, you know, tuners just get together, just kind of like invitation, come on out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we practice with each other. We share yeah, I'm just really, I'm missing, missing that connection. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, my, my, like, uh, my group is, is more the tuners. Well, we, we have a, we have a vibe. There's a resonance yeah. in our community. And I have connected with the most amazing people in that way. Like, there's yeah. definitely, there's definitely something that attracts us to the work, I think on lots of different levels. I mean, and obviously that's highly individualized, but, uh, oh, so I will, I will bring this up. So when we were in Tulum, I did a, I did a hypnosis process to uncover people's relationship with biofield tuning in past lives. That's right. Yeah. You, that. Yeah. You guys were in a little meeting. Um, I think I sent out the recording at one point, but that was wild to hear what came up. Yeah. Um, a lot of pyramid stuff. It could have been that we were in Tulum, a lot of pyramid stuff, a lot of star stuff, and a lot of being underground underneath the pyramid. Those were the main yeah. kind of themes that came up. So, you know, everyone has their own, I think, interpretation of what our relationships are outside of time and space with the work. But I have noticed that I think we all have, if you, no pun intended, if you resonate with the work, whether that's as a client or as a practitioner or a student, then you're, you're feeling something, you know, there's something mm-hmm. going on there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So is there anything that you would, you would share with practitioners and students when it comes to you know, like having a practice or being a practitioner, like any challenges that have come up your way that you've overcome or anything new that you're kind of like sensing into? I would say we are still collectively understanding the potential of what we do. And to really honor that there's the capacity to witness and support these 
huge changes for people on levels that are profoundly deep. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm blown away at what shows up in other people's fields, how old and deep some of that information is. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, depending on how you're, how long you've been tuning or what's going on with your practice or a client, you know, you can, um, I've noticed some fatigue, you know, for people that have been tuning a long time, it's intense to be in that space with people. And, you know, you've supported that conversation a lot, Jill, to talk about how to, to manage that. And at the same time, you know, the potential for the work to be profoundly supportive for individuals in the collective evolution is huge. Yeah. And I would encourage people to approach their practice and folks they work with, with that potential, not as an expectation, but just to become aware that when we're connecting with patterns that go back, I, I, how we don't, it's hard to gauge that. I, I, know, I, don't, I don't try to get too involved or get too in my head of like, how far back are we going? But some of the, the information and energy can be really, really ancient. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, that's a, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. So treat yourself with honor and respect, treat, you know, the work with honor and respect and, you know, treat the clients or the beings that you're working with, with honor and respect around that. And, and in this, and at that same time, you know, that means having boundaries, that means communicating really clearly, all of that good stuff because it's powerful, right? It's yeah. powerful work. And um, while it just looks like we're waving around tuning forks, um, you know, the, the more you do the work and your relationship evolves and strengthens with the work, you know, I think more people become really aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, and I do this myself is, you know, holding the vision for that, evolution, that change, that transformation, but not attaching to it. Just kind of meeting people right where they're at, meeting, meeting whatever you're working with right where it's at. And I think that that positioning or that, I don't know what to call it, that, um, well, I don't know what to call it, that positioning really, that's what holding space is for people. Mm -hmm. Um, it's that, that non-attachment, non-judgment, but like holding that belief that, you know, there's, there's something on the other side there. There's like a gem on the other side that they're going to get to. We don't know how long it'll take or, you know, what that journey is going to look like for them. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I, I think the neutrality space, the neutral space is really, I think I said that to Eileen when we were doing one of these shows. I'm like, that is such a profound gift to become aware of how important that middle space is, right? Mm. And and that also comes in with, you know, how we're approaching the work to just be curious. And even the language we use in sessions, right? What are you noticing? You know, we don't say, does that feel good or bad? It's just like, what are you noticing, right? Because yeah. in that moment, you know, and you talk about this, there's the 90 seconds to move through it. 
and then you're and then and and eventually it's going the the energy and frequency is going to evolve no matter what you just got to hang tight with that i think that when we are witnessing really heavy stuff that has quite the charge to it and then we bring it to neutral hopefully at some point and it kind of evolves um being able to you utilize that i'm going to use a gardening farming concept that compost of whatever the charge was whatever whatever was there that was hard to move through shifting and and utilizing that into fertilizer for flowers to grow right Mm -hmm. and we we talk about that yeah like well, that was really horrible. Like I hear how horrible that was. And it was, and I, and I want to witness for you. And that's another concept that I always come back to is, and I'll use that language. I want to witness that for people because that compassionate mm-hmm. witness role is so important that, you know, now that's there, let's put a seed in there of potential. Let's see how that experience has informed the process of evolution and growth and adaptability for something to happen. Like somehow your ancestors went through that intensity and you're here. So somehow you have the resources to move through that. I was, yeah. I was watching a documentary about, and we encounter this a lot as tuners, right? How those early experiences will inform our adaptability or responses to things in the future, right? And so part of us wants to say, well, we all want, ideally that experience is all warm and fuzzy and everyone comes out with a really trusting, supportive, supported kind of energy, right? That's a great story. But when that doesn't happen, right, um, then you have survival skills, right? And those can show up in any number of ways, right? People can have anxiety. Well, when is anxiety a superpower? Mm-hmm. When is you being in your own space and being isolated? When is that really important, right? If you're if you're dependent on external stimulus to be okay, and that's how you run, well, that's great if you're in that environment where that's normalized. But for someone who has gotten really comfortable with themselves out of necessity, depending on the circumstance, that's also a survival skill. Mm-hmm. so and it's neither here nor there but just to acknowledge that right like it uh it just occurred to me how what we pathologize as a wound or wounds can actually be a, a space of empowerment yeah because that's transmutation right that's transformation that's taking a base metal and there you go it's gold Yeah. And I think that's such an important, um, you know, thing to present to our clients. And sometimes, you know, you're not sure if it's not sure there's times to do that. And there's times (laughs) not to do that. Right. And usually like the first few sessions, you know, you're gaining rapport, you're gaining trust, you're witnessing. And then as they start to learn more about how they can alchemize their field and alchemize their emotions. And maybe that is in the first session because they already have, you know, a lot of awareness, but 
yeah, that's kind of our role as practitioners is to gauge, okay, where is this person at right now with this? And I'm going to ask a question like, what is the, how is this perfect for you? How was this Oof. experience perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Oof, you're right. Yeah, depending on where they are in their process, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a very good question and not necessarily an easy one to answer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It depends on, it depends on how far, how far through that process they've already worked through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then That's another a, yeah. question is like, how, how is, um, how is this happening for you rather than to you? I like that mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, 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 depending on where people are at, and their awareness, yeah, that can really change uh, the kinds of sessions that you have. I notice, at least in my practice now, you know, I would I used to work with the the bundle of three model, and that was really successful in lots of ways. And for some people, that works great. But I've noticed for myself recently that I I prefer to work on a like deeper level with people. I feel like sometimes to me, that's a sort of a maintenance relationship. And for some people that can be really helpful, but I noticed that I probably lean more towards sort of a, a, a deeper potent model, right? Like I want to, I want to see if we can pull out the roots of, or address the roots of what's there. Um, which is probably a, a deeper, more potent space to work a little bit, right? Then let's uh, let's address the short term, the palliative, you know, space for tuning, and and that's just as valid. That's just as valid. I, and I, as I say that, I recall that I worked with an individual who was sensitive enough in her space at that time to only be able to work with weighted forks for about mm. thirty minutes, and that uh -huh. was about it. Right. Yeah. So right. The, in that space, that that offering, I think, worked really well, and that's how we had to start. You know. Yes, I've I've heard. Um, I have um, a practitioner who was working with um, a sixteen-year-old girl, and just the the physical condition she was in, she could only handle weighted forks for like fifteen minutes or so. But then she gradually worked up. 30 minutes 45 and then a full-on tuning session with the 174 and and all the forks so yeah again meeting people where they're at right gauging where they're at yeah. so um you mentioned you used to do bundles yeah now now what do you do i well i don't and and also part of that for me was that i it felt a little challenging to it was it was a space i i had a space that I felt like I needed to have boundaries around timeframes around when people scheduled and things like that and tracking, mm -hmm. you know, what was going on and if they expire and all that stuff. I, I yeah. noticed that my style is to have a very um, clean interaction with energy and money. So for me, it's like, I'd like it just to be uh, complete in that space. I don't like the energy of things hanging out unresolved. Yeah, and that like might you be having that money, like the package of three right. money, but the, the sessions yeah. aren't scheduled yet. Right. That's, okay. I have a hard time. And that's probably an opportunity for me to manage too. But I, I just well, really I noticed that sense. that was that, that my style emotionally, energetically leans more towards having a 
uh, clean ending or a clean uh, resolution with things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I was going to comment on. Okay, so you or you asked me earlier or about ancestors and past lives and my relationship and how I perceive those. Yeah. So I just wanted to yeah. bring that up a little bit. Um, you know, not everyone is open uh, to past lives as a paradigm, right? Some people, right. that's just not their thing. So when I come across that information, it, it usually has to do in connection with an other people. So it it, they're not always, you know, blood relations or relationships. But when that vibe shows up and those things show up, it usually has a heavier or denser quality to it. And it's usually something that kind of, you know, the language that is used is the male slot, but it just kind of drops into my awareness as, oh, I get this impression. Sometimes really specific details will show up. And I try to make it clear with folks, like, we don't need to hang out here and lament on this because uh, I think that in the past life regression, while there is value more and more and more, it's, it's important just to notice what's there versus like basking in the old energy, right? Like mm -hmm. ideally we're moving forward. Yeah. Or concurrent, right? Because some people talk about there is no time. So you're actually in that moment in that life right now and it's crossing over. So there are a lot of different ideas around that. But I guess what I say is just to meet people where they're at. And if that's not part of their paradigm, like I don't get too far into it. However, those things can show up. You can think about it like this, Joe, like in the bigger, if, if you're open to past lives that we negotiate our experiences with the people that are in our lives on the other side of the veil, wherever that is, however that is. So if I was like, um, Hey, I really need to learn on self-resolve, uh, this time round. And, um, so that means someone's going to have to, um, abandon me, you know? So say in the last life, you know, I, someone was my, brother or we had some other kind of relationship but this time around um they're like hey i'll show up as your dad and then i'll abandon you and that'll mm -hmm. work out like that because on the other side of the veil you know we're just negotiating our class <laughs> our, our our lesson right on some yeah. levels because it doesn't right. have that emotional charge but when we come in and we're in it we're like oh it hurts so bad and i'm yeah. wrecked and it's got all this stuff around it you're in the middle of class. You're in the middle of class and this is your test, if you will. And it, it's rough, you yeah. know, and it, and it does. And that, and it doesn't mean that it's, it's not rough, but just to acknowledge that from that perspective, we're all just in class. We're, we're in the school of earth and we're going through our lesson. And when we get out the other side, I don't think anyone's going to judge us. I think we're going to hang out with our guides and they're going to say, Hey, how'd that go for you? You know, cause in that context, you're one page and a huge, vast book of you, depending on your journey. Some people are like, this is my first life and my only life, or, you know, I'm a, I'm a newbie at this. I, I think more often than not, people have been around the block a few times. Um, and, but I, I think it's important, right. To, acknowledge that we're, we come across all kinds of things in this work and to just be open to trusting yourself and moving, using your toolbox, seeing what works, checking in with the person on the table. You know, July, <laughs> I wasn't really 
I didn't have a really active relationship with archangels, okay? But, but I'm really clear now that if I come across something and it's intense and it's mm -hmm. big, I'll first ask the permission of my client. Usually it's Archangel Michael. I'm like, so are you cool if I call in Archangel Michael? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Most, I've never had anyone say no. Yeah. And I, I call them in and I say, with your trusty sword, untie and unbind whatever is here across all time, space, dimensions, and realities. And let's just be done with it. Yeah. And he is trusty. Like I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't part of my paradigm too much to work with Archangels, but he's great. And I always think, oh my gosh, because yeah. you know what? So it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. It's okay. I think that's I'll, really important. And I'll even, and I mean, again, like I, I notice ancestors, I have impressions. I am not technically a medium. I don't have conversations with them and that's totally cool with me. But if there's something really intense and old, I'll ask permission of the client. Again, that's like a respect permission thing. Hey, are you cool if we call in some, ancestors that are supportive of you in this right and usually it's always a yes and i just i don't even need to know them we're just going to generally call them in right because when we're working on stuff that's that old you know sometimes we need help so then they'll come in and i'll also invite clients to become aware that they have ancestors that are supportive of them in ways they don't even know right mm -hmm. so if we're working with a pattern of defeat I'm going to say, you know what? I bet you have ancestors that were rock stars that were able to just step up and be resilient in whatever way. So let's invite them. To I love you, that. Yeah. Right? Because you think of like, just mathematically, the numbers of the vast amount of ancestors that we all have. That's a lot. Yeah. So chances are you probably had some rock stars in there. <laughs> I, I think we all did. Right. So that's I a love spectrum. It. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another thing, like, again, you know, when I, I think we talked about this a little bit, when I close a session, you know, I'm always really clear to thank the support that showed up always. I think that's really important. And again, you know, that's a little outside of the textbook. I mean, I don't want to impose anything onto people, but I will say that the, as time has gone on, I've been clearer and clearer to uh, acknowledge a beginning and end and really thank, you know, the support that shows up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Awesome, Andrew. Well, this was a really rich conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you bet. No, I'm really honored to show up. And I really hope that, you know, folks that listen to it uh, are, you know, it's really, really supportive of them in their process and their practice. I'm sure. Yeah. And um, I, it's just so cool that, and I just flash on this, like when tuners connect with other tuners and we're able to exchange energy or hang out with each other, I think sometimes I'm like, the people that have been in my field know me way better than anyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that there's a, there's a level of uh, energetic intimacy in the etheric realm that is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Right? Um, so I don't know. I just flash on that sometimes that my relationships with other, other tuners are like on a whole other level, if you will. Um, 
And uh, so it kind of, it, it raises the bar kind of high. And I, I think we all know this, but how much the work changes you and changes your life, right? Um, even yeah. if you're not really proactive in it, I don't think you can interact with that process of transformation without experiencing it in your own life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a whole other reason to like, let's get together. Like whether you're, you know, there's some, there's some tuners in Oregon. I haven't reached out to yet. And mm -hmm. definitely I'm like, maybe today or tomorrow, I'm going to um, look them up on the practitioner directory and introduce myself and say, let's get together. Right. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to encourage everybody to, if you, if you're in an area and there's other tuners, like, and you yeah. feel comfortable with it. I know how times are right now with, yeah. you know, the pandemic. I saw, I looked, I looked at the, the Oregon uh, page and I was like, oh my gosh, look, look at all yeah. these tuners. There's like it's at least smart. five. Oh yeah. And I was like, wow, that is not the way it was uh, yeah, back right? in the day. No, which wasn't that long ago, but wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. So, um, and, and I mean, five, I think in, in central Oregon, I know there's now a handful right. in Portland and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if I'm just going to encourage folks, if you have the opportunity to get together in a space, see what happens when you all, if you're all able to, tune in together. Why I'm bringing this up is I had a client on the Oregon coast who also had a 528 and we both were um, standing separate. We were, we stood separately on the coastline and they had just flown over and there was a haze, which she felt like was chemtrails, you know, or whatnot. And we were both tuning our, striking our 528s the same time, not in, not in synchronous synchronicity, but at the same time. And what was really wild is these, the areas that we were in, the sky cleared above where we were individually. So yeah. if y'all have the opportunity to introduce that kind of coherence in a group, um, that might provide some really interesting results. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, Andrew. Thank you for yeah. taking the time to be with us today. This is really awesome. Lots of uh, valuable information here. And um, yeah, it was just great connecting with you again. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and um, I'm really grateful to be part of this community and, um, and having an opportunity to connect with you and everyone and introducing more coherence and supporting transformation it's great it's fairly important yeah yeah and so for people if they want to reach out to you oh absolutely get in touch yeah um so i'm uh listed under a practitioner in florida right now but my website is andrewmacklerath.com that's kind of a mouthful um i don't know are they going to be able to locate that somewhere yeah i'll, I'll post it on the show notes Perfect. Yep. Um, and they can send me a message through the contact page there or send me an email. And I am super excited. I love tuning everyone. Uh, I also love supporting my tribe and tuning tuners. So, yeah. um, so there's that. Awesome. I love receiving sessions from you. Ah, uh, thank you, Joe.
Yeah. And I've heard so many good things from so many other people too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Hey, Tuner, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving a review and subscribe so that you catch each episode as it publishes. Happy tuning. Thank you.